0: Well, it's a joy to have Pastor Art Sepulveda from Hawaii. Can you give him a warm Pretoria welcome as he comes to minister? Aloha! Aloha. Aloha. All right, so, let me give you a little little schooling. Hey, Amen. Um, Aloha. Say, Al Sorry, A L O means alo. Say alo. alo. Ha. ha. Ha means the breath. Come on, say it like you say. Ha. ha. Ha, like you're mad at somebody. But no, it actually means the breath of God. It means the breath of God. And uh, this morning, let me expand your vocabulary. Aloha. 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 Ke. Ke. Akua. That means good morning to your neighbors, say, aloha, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> no, no, just say, aloha, ke'akua. <laughs> Amen. Again, I want to just, I want to take this time, but I think it's important that I would honor your pastor and uh, pastors in the leadership here, as well as you, church. I really appreciate being here. I mean that with all of my heart. It's uh, uh, when they, when Pastor Bird, who speaks very highly of your pastor, and uh, of this church, uh, in great honor, uh, said that, that uh, they're open to having me come back. I said, oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mess up too bad. <laughs> oh, some of you ain't laughing. All right, anyways, um, but I want you to realize that I do count it a privilege and honor to be here. I don't take it for granted, and uh, thank you again, uh, Pastor John, and really, and Mandarin it means a lot, and uh, I'm very honored. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, and we want to thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Lord, your spirit is so evident in this place, and that's because of the hearts that are so hungry and so open to you. We ask that you would please speak to each and every one of us. We invite you to do a work inside of us, even that work that we're not even aware of. But Father, in your goodness and in your mercy and in your grace, you're always working in the context of our life. And so we say thank you before anything else is done, giving you praise, honor, and glory. And everyone in agreement said, Amen. Amen. Please watch this. I brought that up in the way I designed that, that video is because when Jesus was born into this world, He came and He was born, and He came as the light in a dark world. And the conflict that is there that you see graphically is the context of which he stepped into when jesus came and once he was baptized in the holy spirit the river jordan and um and he began his ministry for three and a half years there were two kingdoms in conflict the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light the kingdom of god and the kingdom of satan and for 30 years up to that point, before he got to the River Jordan, he saw he saw the casualties of Satan's kingdom and his rulership and what he was doing to humanity. He heard the voices and the cries of a broken heart, broken families, broken marriages, broken bodies, broken lives and broken dreams. And he walked in the midst of that. But it wasn't until... The heavens opened up when he was baptized by John the Baptist. And of course, the father spoke and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And from that point on, he began with great urgency to preach and to minister concerning the kingdom of God. And it's important that you and I understand, although the gospels in the Bible show many wonderful truths Jesus gave us understanding of what is priority and it's important that you and I understand that as it's spoken of in the book of John when Philip asked Jesus show us the father and Jesus responded to Philip and said Philip you know if you've seen me you have seen the father so what I'm saying to you is that Jesus begins to lay out humanity that was broken although religious um, lost tormented in so many different ways devastated by this kingdom of darkness and as you well know Jesus the Bible says Jesus was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil and he was everywhere he went he was demonstrating to you and I as we read the gospels How the kingdom of God is to be manifested in our lives, no matter how dark it gets, how complex, you know, how disastrous you and I are still the light. And so Jesus gave his disciples, those that adhere to here, like you in this room. And he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. He basically, in a statement, lays out what your priorities of life ought to be. To live the most productive life. Not based on the terms of someone else. Or maybe even, and I don't say this to slant anyone. How you've been educated. But God is the greatest teacher you can have. As Isaiah once said, Isaiah said, 48 verse 17. The Lord speaks through Isaiah and he says, I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. I will teach you how to profit and lead you in ways in which you should go. God yet has paths for you that you've not walked. Conquests for you that you've not seen. And victories that are waiting on your doorstep. I'm here to tell you when you put things in order, those things that look so mysterious and dark begin to make sense. God has some answers for us in my prayer is that he would speak to all of our hearts. And um, I want you to see, though, when Jesus gave this uh, directive, uh, prior to that, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, the disciples asked him, teach us how to pray. And so Jesus began to give them a model prayer. And the model prayer was, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It goes on to say other things. But I imagine the disciples, that I mean, they didn't know, I don't think really, what they were asking. They wanted to be more effective. They wanted to grow. So God begins. And then they heard thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In my neighborhood, you would say, Say what? But um, they weren't from my neighborhood. And I want you to understand everything that you see written wasn't always instantly understood. Like some of the things you may hear today. In one form it might be a parable. To others it might be clear understanding. If not you've gone furthest to the things that God's already shared. And so but I want you to understand that here Jesus is speaking as the originator of life. And he's telling us, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I'm the Amplified Classic version, that says, after the word righteousness, God's way of doing and being right. There's God's way of doing something and then our way of doing something. There's God's way of being right. Then there's our way of always wanting to be right. Y'all missed that right there. Just went right over your heads. And um, art has his way of how he would like things to turn out and then God has his way of how they should turn out and remember when I say that I don't want you to think for a moment that hurt or pain is authored by God it happens to our life God will help us to persevere and go through it but he made it clear concerning two kingdoms when he said The thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. He was not just laying something. He was sharing about two kingdoms. You know, Peter later on says, you know, we've been called out of darkness into his marvelous like Two kingdoms. Right? In the book of Colossians chapter 1, you know, it talks about how we've been delivered out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Again, Throughout the Bible, you begin to hear kingdoms. Over a hundred times in the Bible, you in the Gospels, just the Gospels alone, you hear the reference to the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, right? And then that was before his resurrection. That model prayer that Jesus gave was before his death, burial, and resurrection. There's no sacrifice that been taking place yet. He had not yet gone to the cross. And I want you to realize Now, when Jesus said the kingdom is within you, he was telling them where the kingdom of God was going to be once a person was born again. The moment you're born again, you're a kingdom citizen. You've been given kingdom authority, kingdom dominion. Jesus said whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Come on, somebody. That's some kind of power. Amen? That's some kind of power right there. Now, the thing is... um, the enemy always wants to distort and make things difficult. And, and uh, you know, you're born into this world and there are so many different situations. But when you're born again, God begins to order our life. He begins to give us direction. It's like we begin to read the Bible because it's the manual of how to live the most productive, fruitful, and powerful life in the name of Christ and for his glory. You begin to discover that you're a person, not an ink spot somewhere, not just another number of 7 billion people on the planet Earth, but you have a purpose, you have a destiny, and God has his hand on you. That's why he says, you know, I know the plans that I have for you, you know, plans of peace, not plans to prosper you, not to harm you. And so God has some great things in store for you. Say, God has some great things for me. But every now and then, even as a believer who's been born again, I mean, unfaithfully going to church. Things get out of order. We don't necessarily, I mean, we can quote the verse, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. We can all say God is first in our life, but it's not just saying it, it's living it. Okay, that went over like a lead balloon. But anyways, we'll move it on. And um, so when things that should be first are not first. Then life gets a little crazy and uh, things get out of order, get messy relationally and family. God has something to say about the order of everything, at least the seven areas of your life spirit, soul, body, financially, socially, domestically, meaning your family and in your ministry. And so, but I've often said, and I live by this little principle, it's simple order determines outcome. Order determines outcome. But in order, To have order, you have to have priorities. And you have to live by the conviction of those priorities. When priorities that produce order work together, then you have what I call increased capacity. And increased capacity helps you to seize life, to seize the days of your life. You know, on a different passage uh, Luke chapter 9 verse 62 um, Jesus is contending with would-be followers they had their way of what they thought should be first I got to go bury my father Jesus said no you know and he wasn't saying that he was saying that to be insensitive he's saying you want to be focusing on the kingdom of God then another person said I will follow you but first let me go and take care of things in my house and Jesus said this He said, first things first, first things first. And then he goes on in verse 62. This is in the message Bible. And he uses this. He says, he says, "Um, no procrastination, no backward looks. Do not put the kingdom of God off until tomorrow. Seize the day. Most people don't seize the days of their life because they don't live by kingdom principles. And it's not that it can't be adjusted. Of course it can, and it doesn't take long at all. But you have to make certain decisions. And Jesus needs to be, wants to be, desires to be, but gives you the right to make and be first in your life. Woo! I feel Pentecostal right about now. (laughs) And, And so God the originator is the one who designed... His creation to live powerfully. He knows that you and I live in this great nation of yours or any other part of the world. But there are still two kingdoms in conflict. And if you don't understand kingdom authority, kingdom dominion, the kingdom of darkness will try to make its way into your life. Satan doesn't care how many days, or how many times you go to church. Doesn't care what you label yourself. He's going to try to get in there. You have to have a kingdom mindset. A kingdom mentality, because you are a kingdom city. You're not going to be once you get to glory. I'm talking about this side of glory on this earth. In the name of Jesus, we just sang about how beautiful that name is, how powerful that name is. Come on, somebody, get excited! I mean, I, I you know, I told Mandy, I think, oh, I'm gonna have a run around. Just about took off. In my mind, I was running around in circles. You know, uh, a great leader who's now in heaven. Uh, Miles Monroe once said, if you, if you don't know the purpose of the thing, you will abuse it. Abuse is inevitable. Sometimes we don't know the purpose of our days, the purpose of our lives, the purpose of the very breath that we have. Everything has a purpose in it. You're not just, you know, you're not, you know, our time is like a gift. You will either invest it, you'll waste it, or abuse it. The choice is yours and mine, humanity's. So how do we get things in order to maximize our life is you have to understand order and priorities in order to gain maximum capacity out of your life. The Lord once told me, He says, He says, Art, you know, if you'll let me, I'll teach you how to capture the days of your life and live the life of your days. And what He meant by that is everybody lives a day but they don't, they don't draw from it, the life that is there. They don't exercise their faith. They don't, they don't apply certain things. They just kind of let things happen. And um, certainly not in this house. Turning around and say, I know he's not talking to me, but I'm ready to pray for you if you want me to. <laughs> All right, let's move along. So, um, you know, I, this little statement I often use. Never let what matters most be at the mercy of what matters least. We say Jesus matters most, but seeking him, seeking him, making him first, seeking first the kingdom of God. Remember this. The characteristics of the king are the characteristics of the kingdom. And the characteristics of the kingdom are the characteristics of the king. You can't say you're a kingdom citizen without knowing who the king of the kingdom is in your life. Amen. Amen. Hey. All right. Anyways. So I want you to understand something. When things are out of order, order determines outcome. When the outcome of my life isn't what the Bible says it ought to be, then I just need to take a couple of steps back, and the Holy Spirit will begin, and the Word will begin to share with me what I need to adjust. He's good. He wants you to understand. Amen? I mean, you're representing Him. Now, let me um, go back to to this. this I want to read something from Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 29 and 30. And that's the verse, and verse 29 says that we have all been, as, as citizens of the kingdom of God, as Christians, we've all been predestined to be conformed to the image of God's dear Son. I like the way it says it in the Message Bible, and it reads like this. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. Can I have an amen? amen. Well, I was a little slow, but I'll take it. He decided from the onset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son? Like that is, I mean, that ought to be a brain cramp right there. I mean, think about this: is what he decided, meaning he wills. You know, he wills for you and I. I mean, read the Gospels, and you're seeing how you and I are on a walk. What are you saying? That I'm Jesus? Of course not. You know, but don't you always say greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world? Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you and quickens your mortal body. Mm -hmm. Don't be schizo. I mean, you know, we're, in one moment we're saying, I love you, Jesus. I believe everything you say. And he said, well, I, I couldn't live like that. Well, he's the one who said you could. <laughs> it goes on to say, the son stands first in line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. After, um, after God made that decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by his name. Now, it wouldn't say original. (laughs) Whenever you think original, what's the opposite of an original? All right. A fake, good one. Been in America. Anyways, um, fake or imitation. Right? And, um, In America, you know, there are companies that have, I mean, have made millions, if not billions of dollars by setting up uh, situations and products that are called knockoffs or fakes or imitations. When you don't live the original plan, you end up with an imitation plan. And, uh, you know, it's like, it kind of looks like it, might even smell like it, you know, might at first even be impressive, because it looks just like the real thing, but eventually it doesn't work out. Remember, a few, it still might be popular, a few years back they had the, all the light products that were real popular, you know, half the calories, some products from cookies to tater chips and um, whatever, you know, food and stuff like that. You can eat this as much as you want, but it doesn't have the calories, it doesn't have the fat. Woo! And then the boxes would look good, you know. And so one day I, w- I remember it was in that season, this is a number of years ago. And I walked into uh, Starbucks, you know. Have you ever yeah, I know you have. Okay. And I walked into Starbucks and I I was in that zone of wanting everything to be lighter, but I wanted to feel like I was getting the, the real thing. thing. You know, so um there I was uh and I I, I I stood up there and and uh made my order and I said I, I want uh I forgot what kind of coffee coffee it was, and I asked for um non-fat milk, and I asked for sweetener, no whip, decaf. And the guy said, Why bother? I said, Excuse me. <laughs> and he said, He said, He said, Why bother? I said, I'm gonna report you. And he said, No, 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 sir. It, it's, it's, that's what it's called. It's called, Why bother? That was a revelation to me. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, why didn't I just start off with water and stick with it? But, anyways, um, and and it was interesting, and then, uh, you know, because I wanted, like, to feel like I had that, that whatever kind of drink I was ordering that I reduced down to almost nothing, and, um, because it made me feel good, you know, and, uh, so I, I, I want you to kind of hear it from this angle. Let me give you a couple of examples of the difference between an original and an imitation, And, and, um, there's one particular, a real store that's all over the United States. It's even gone over to parts of Asia. It's called Pay Less Shoe Stores. And the reason you go to pay less is because you don't want to pay more. <laughs> Someone just turned the neighbor. I really come to church to hear this. Yeah, you did. <laughs> it's like when people go window shopping, you know. They love, they go, Whoo, I love to have that. But you don't want to pay more, so you just window shop. Anyways, the point is, they, and I love this store, Payless Shoe Store, because I have four daughters. And I often say, there's, there's super estrogen in my home. I mean, it flows out the windows. You open the door. It hits you in the face. It's just like, help me, Jesus. You know, and um, and they're all highly opinionated. Jesus. They must follow after their mom. Anyways... um. But the point is, you know, you know because, and, and you know, I don't know what it is about, you know, women and their shoes and their bags. Uh, some of you men, you're very still because if you move and say, amen, she's going <laughs> to, bam. Okay, so I, I understand that. So I, I feel you. I feel you. And um, anyways, and I love that my daughters would go in there because I'd be paying less. And when they break and fall apart. Nobody gets worried because I didn't pay more. <laughs> and I don't expect more because I paid less. My, my mindset is, you know, go in there and get your lookalikes. As long as I pay less, I am very happy. And then they started doing it a lot, and it added up. Anyways, the point is, I'm trying to share with you, is that when you end up paying less, thinking you get more but you don't want to pay more don't want to follow certain guidelines that God has given us which is certainly not you and um, you know then we end up with not the results that we want in our life we don't live the powerful life that we read about because well let me kind of put it this way I've been privileged to travel to Manila, Philippines every year for about the last five or seven years there's a conference that we do over there. And after the conference, if I have any time, we, uh, especially on the first year, we went to this place called Green Hills. Now, there's nothing green about Green Hills, but they just call it Green Hills. We'll figure that out later. But anyways, in the Philippines, they use a lot of labels, and you have to figure it out later. But the point is, I went. the reason I wanted to go to Green Hills because I once asked a friend. I said, hey, listen, I heard that you can come to the Philippines and you can get these, like, Louis Vuitton bags and these Prada bags and these Chanel bags and, and but it's like a really really like it's an imitation, you know, and they said, oh yeah, that's Green Hills. So I went over to Green Hills with you know after the conference was over, had a couple of hours before we took off on the plane, and, and so I went there and and it was and the moment I walked in there, I, God my witness, I mean there were like multitude of stands. I mean it was like they were all over the place. And everyone had their little booth of Nakas. But you go in there, I mean, everything from computers to, you know, uh, uh, Apple. I mean, just the, the covering. You, it, the look-alike was amazing. The shoes, the bags, everything looked. It was all imitation. That's all it is. You don't go there to get an original. Oh, no, you don't. I mean, from everything. I mean, it looks exactly so. I said, I want, I want Louis Vuitton bags. And I went, walked up to this one guy. And he says, he said, Louis Vuitton, Prada, Chanel. <laughs> so what kind of bags do you have? Louis Vuitton, Prada, Chanel. I said, so you roll, bro. I can't understand what you're saying. And then somebody interpreted it. That's Louis Vuitton, Prada, and Chanel. I said, all right. And then he goes, <laughs> he goes, <laughs> you know, he starts talking about. You know, they, they know what they are. He says, "Um, imitation." I said, "Well," he said, "I know this is politically incorrect, but live with it." He says, "Imitation." And I said, "Imitation? Yes, imitation." You want Prada? You want Prada? He said, "No, I don't want Prada. I want Louis Vuitton." You want great one, great two, I said. What? He said, grade one, grade two, grade three. He said, hurry, hurry, hurry. I said, why? Because I cannot bring out grade one unless you want grade one. I have good grade one. And, and he's saying grade one, grade two, or grade three. Now, grade three disintegrates in your hands the moment you touch it. <laughs> so I knew I wasn't going to buy that one. Now, we're not kidding anybody. I mean, they have, like, magazines. I mean, Louis Vuitton product magazines. You get to pick the bag, and they run somewhere, and they run back, and they have it. And these are, like, $5,000 bags that you can buy for maybe $200. So you know it's a knockoff, right? It's an imitation. (laughs) Okay, so obviously you don't live in Hawaii, so... There are more Filipinos than there are ants in the world. But anyways... And they're wonderful people. Great friends of mine. But I want you to, I want you to hear this. And, uh, and so I, I knew that, of course, I wanted the best knockoff imitation for my daughters because Christmas was coming up. And Dad was not going to walk into the original. Ain't no way, Jose. And so, so uh, I'm, I'm interested in buying some bags. And he wants to prove to me that he has... And original. Now the second one, I didn't want grade two. I don't know what was going to happen to grade two. I saw what happened to grade three. And and it's like they all are ready for the demonstration. So he says, okay, I show you imitation grade one Louis Vuitton. I said, awesome. He pulls out the slider. It turns into a (laughs) blowtorch. I mean, literally the flame is about that big. And he's lighting up the bag. He's going, see, it's good grade. I said, don't do that, bro. You're going to start a fire. You know, you know, start fire. You don't know what it's made out of. You know, and the thing is, so I ended up buying them and, and uh, taking them back home. So, you know, six months later, when the strap broke, I mean, you know, we didn't all sweat it. We didn't run back to the Louis Vuitton original store because it was an imitation. Right? When the, when, the, when the logo of Louis Vuitton began to peel off, you know, and the lining began to crumble up, you know, we didn't all freak out. They didn't say, Dad! They knew it was an imitation. You know, Christmas morning for about 20 seconds, I was like, they're a hero. They thought, like, Dad, oh, where'd you get all this money? This is awesome. I said, I enjoyed it for about 20 seconds, and I said, it's imitation now you're saying okay what's the point my point is when you live an imitation life sorry when you live an imitation life eventually it falls apart and jesus said seek ye first the kingdom of god amen <laughs> give it the lord a hand. but we have to make some decisions here today and you can make them you don't need commit a committee meeting To make this decision. I want to share with you how much God. Wants to put our lives together. God is ready. The moment. We give him the priority. And don't live by presumptions. Presuming. That the way I feel about something. Is the only way it can be. Or presuming. That the obstacles that seem to be against us. You know. Are not possible to change. The Bible says that God can raise up. Something beautiful out of ashes. And I might be talking about your life. Your marriage. Your career. A dream. A desire. Whatever it might be. The decision is yours. You as a kingdom citizen. Have to learn to take responsibility for your life. God has given you the choice. Um, There's a passage in the book of Nehemiah, for example, and many of you know about Nehemiah, so I'll just quickly mention it. And Nehemiah is a type and shadow of the Holy Spirit. He was a real person. But Nehemiah, the word means Yahweh comforts, or he's a comforter, and that's the work of the Holy Spirit. But it's a picture of what God wants to do in your life. Because when Nehemiah asks about um, after seven days of being in Babylon, and they came, that's Babylon's type of shadow of the world that they came out after that period was over, they were coming back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem means a city of peace. But when they got back there, it was a city in pieces. It had been ruined, it had been devastated. Once the dream of God, the place where King David reigned and had great conquests, victories, prophetic words went out, the Spirit of God moved ever so powerfully. Now everything. Was burned to the ground. The Bible says that the, the people were, were uh, dismayed. And discouraged. And, and um, barely surviving. And that the walls were broken down. And the gates were burned with fire. Well, real quick. You know, here is a type and shadow of the Holy Spirit. It, he is a real person. And he's talking about how people had no confidence in their identity anymore. You know, when somebody comes out of the world, comes out of a situation, they really don't know who they are. Now, they knew they were Jews, of course, or Jewish people. And they knew that, you know, at one point they were called, you know... Uh, the eye of God, so forth and so on, and they were called many wonderful things, but they had come out, and they still had mockers and uh, taunters, and uh, they felt bad about being in captivity for so many years, and they went back to this once great city of dreams. It was no longer a city of dreams. It was a city that was now dreamless, And, uh, and so they had no sense of security. The second thing that you begin to see is when the walls are broken down, walls bring protection, and when you have protection, uh, sorry, the first one is no sense of identity. Um, the second one is when you have no protection, you have no security. The second thing that we begin to see when the walls are down, you, you know, you don't know who's going to come through those walls. They still had mockers, and so they had no security. And the third thing is when the gates are burned with fire, gates often represent, typify in the Old Testament, authority. So there's three things that you see Nehemiah type in the Holy Spirit begins to do with people. And that it's God's dream and desire to rebuild people's lives. But where he begins is in your sense of, a sense of identity in God, your sense of security in God, and your sense of authority in God. And I would say it this way, in the New Testament, it's your sense of identity in Christ, your sense of security in Christ, and your sense of authority in Christ. Now that you're a kingdom citizen, you have to understand that you, your identity is a kingdom citizen. And you have to understand that you've been given now a security. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And, uh, and then you have authority. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven and so forth. But I want you to realize the choice is ours. To allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Can you hear what I'm saying? You have to learn to make the decision. Most people think that they don't have a choice. I love the name of this church because it's called Choose Life. When you came here outside of the living and real presence of God, working through your pastor, the support teams, and of course your own personal lives, you can sense the life of God in this place. But in the Bible, it's up to you whether you want to put God first. It's up to you whether you want to live In the lane that God wants you to live, because you're gonna have to learn to trust Him with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Trusting God doesn't mean that you follow your feelings, your emotions. God wants to be first in your relationships and in your marriage and your career. He doesn't want you to compartmentalize Him, He wants you to embrace Him. He knows more than you know. The scary thing is that you think you know what you know is enough. But imagine the things that you don't know, that he knows. They would like to share with you because you don't know that he knows that you don't know. But you don't know that you don't know. And so you're well with living without what you don't know. But he wants you to know, you know? Anyways, sorry. That was a that was a mystery to myself. And uh, But here's what I want you to understand. Let me prove this to you. You all know that in Deuteronomy 30, 19, it says... God lays before you blessing and cursing, you know, life, and just therefore choose life, right? But in the New Testament, in the Amplified Bible, 1 Corinthians 8 and 9, it says, Paul is saying, only be careful that this power of choice, this power of choice, this permission, liberty to do as you please, which is yours, does not somehow become a hindrance, you know, um, Or are stumbling to the weak. And not only to others, but also to yourself. You say, no, no, I don't have that kind. No, no, no. You have to take responsibility. Most people don't want to take responsibility for their life. They don't want to make the decisions. And there might be tough decisions. But their righteous decisions are not always easy decisions. But you have to learn to take responsibility. Because you're not. You're going to have to learn even over your own self. To make sure that you make God number one in your life. And I wrap it with this last verse. And I'm going to show you something. In Romans chapter 3, verse 3 and 4, you say, why did God give me that choice? Because you're a sovereign being. He's giving you the right to choose that someone who loves you. But in Romans chapter 3, in the Amplified Bible, again, it says, what if some do not believe, like the promises of God, like the restoration of your marriage, or God rebuilding your career, or God, you know, restoring joy and peace, or whatever it might be that you're thinking about right now. It's not that God's not aware, but some of you have opted out of even thinking because the odds are against you, the circumstances are too great, and the reports have already come in. And granted, those things have brought emotions to us and hurt to us and challenge to us. I get that all God's not in denial of any of that. But you're gonna have to take responsibility for your life. Meaning, this that's not a threat, that's an invitation. So when does God become the liar and when does God become true? Is he true because everyone you want to agree with you agrees with you? Whether that's a doctor or that's the employer or that's whomever you might be thinking of. Whose label are you going to believe in? Let God be true and every man a liar. But that is preceded, that was verse 4, that is preceded, By Romans chapter 3, verse 3 in the Amplified Bible. And I know you're going to hear it, but take it home, think about it, dwell on it, let it get inside of you. It says this, what if some do not believe and are without faith? Does their lack of faith and their faithlessness nullify and make ineffective and void the faithfulness of God and the loyalty to his word? That's a question. That's a question you have to answer. Your husband can't answer that for you. Your parents cannot answer that for you. Your, your wife cannot answer that for you. You have to take responsibility for your life. And the next verse says, no, let God be true in every man liar. Be careful because we love to lie to ourselves. The man he's talking about is not just those that are opposing you. But sometimes you'll believe in your mindset Or your way of thinking or how you were educated or the traditions or the culture that have nothing to do with God. Jesus said the traditions of your fathers have made the word of God of no effect. But I want you to hear this. You're going to have to settle it. You'll have to settle it because the day will come that you'll have to cross that line. And it will not be easy. God will back you. You got the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost backing you up. He sees victory whether others don't. Or maybe they do. We all want everybody to agree with us. But life doesn't work that way. But don't never think that you're outnumbered. Because the numbers are greater against you than seem to be for you. Because God is always for you. With you and God and his word, you're always in the majority. So answer the question for yourself. It's easy for Pastor Art to lie to himself. That I'm being a great husband when I'm being a rotten one. I'm being a great parent when I'm all jacked up. Oh, sorry, that was Hebrew for still learning.